Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. What is tenacity? What is effort? What is drive? And where does it come from? It's not something you're born with. It's not really something that, that someone can give you. I mean, if I asked Robert for an extra dose of tenacity tomorrow, he'd just kind of laugh at me and be like, I don't know where I get that. It just kind of shows up. Or something smart Like He's always got really good lines. But where does it come from? Does it come from? Does it come from tribulations? Does it come from successes? Does it come from winning? Let's dig into it. I don't think any uh, cowboy church would be complete without some, uh, some cowboy poetry. So here's something for you guys to give you more or less an idea of, of where I'm coming from in, in uh, putting this together. <clears throat> I sit upon a pass while thoughts roll through my brain of problems and mysteries and causes of pains. Why do we oft struggle against all the odds to escape from the prison of life's mundane jobs? Is it satisfaction we seek? A chill life of leisure, of no responsibility, a lazy man's treasure? Why then do we admire vigor, effort, and toil, yet wish to only participate in rewards and the spoils? We do not seek the reward that is in the depth of the fight. The endurance that's built up does not come overnight. It takes a hard mind like a bear trap of steel. We need a gaze that is fixed on a prize that is real. Something of value, something of worth. What keeps your eyes fixed when you're down in the dirt? The answer is simple. I oft overlook the book I've been given found here, the gift I've been given found here in this book. It speaks of talents, how they were used to describe the difference between the wise and the fool. What was their aim in living their short life? to barely eke by with their wife, or rise to a challenge and stare clean in the face, to push through the misery and with resolve strengthening. I feel what you feel, disdain for that bum, who squandered his life from valor his feet run. The inverse brings a swelling, a smile, and some pride for those who distinguish from a lazy man's life. They pursue what is good, after all they deem worthy, who work through the misery they're not afraid to get dirty. Their differences are small, but a great dichotomy, for both paths are accessible for you and for me. One leads to ruin, the other to greatness. The one thing is purpose. Do not mistake this. Our lives are a gift from God's loving hand. Each life has been made. Our purpose is planned. Some may consider their lives far too small to make a big difference, to change life at all. Find it, stalk it, go lock down your sights. Use all your gifts and fight the good fight. I tell you what you should be doing for each of our lives or for us to be choosing. Write down a list of what causes feeling, what things inside of you that Christ would find pleasing. Teach young ones or serving the needy or counseling couples, admonishing the greedy. There is great purpose. Yourself, you must go find it or squander your life with the lazy and spineless. This poem may sound like a strange compilation of three different people or a radio station. Dr. Seuss and Old Baxter, their humor and rhyme, blended with Billy Graham, his message is divine. 
I've run out of space, you surely get my drift. So grab up those bootstraps, give your mindset a lift. Do not seek treasure, do not seek purpose, or go seek the purpose. Go build yourself a life that's deep in surface. There's a great world out there for all men to see. Be strong, run hard, be known for tenacity. That's something that takes a lot of mental control to do, is to set your sights on something for your whole life. How easy is it to listen to some inspirational message, and two days later you're back doing the same thing that you were doing before? That's me. Heck, you know, even though... I'm the one that's up here, you know, like I've said before. The, the only thing I ever bring to you guys is things that I've struggled with, because it's the only thing I know. Who here has seen uh, Man from Snowy River? I'm sure pretty much everybody in here has. So, Spur gives Jim Craig his good horse. And the first thing he says, well, now I'll get the mare back. And what does Spurs say? Forget the mare, you duffer. Don't throw effort after foolishness. And Ty says that to me all the time. <laughs> what was he saying? If you're going to put effort into something, why, why would you put it into something that's not worthwhile? Tenacity in itself is, is no great feat. Anyone can be driven. Anyone can just charge hard into something. But, but what does that look like? It looks like someone that's called, oh, he's just a bull in the china shop, or he's reckless, or he's angry, or he's just overdriven, or whatever. But if you add a purpose, man, that is someone that we look up to. That's someone that accomplishes things, right? One of my favorite quotes, I've used this actually twice before, is actually from Davy Crockett in 1874. Just be sure that you're right, and then go ahead. And that doesn't sound like some great, wondrous phrase that should be inspirational to anybody, but if you break it down and realize that the words that he used to describe his life were simple. Be sure that you're right. Plan your path. Find your goal. Seek it out. And then go ahead. Turn on the afterburners, man. Once you know what you're after, Kick, kick that horse, man. Get, get rolling. James 1, 2 through 8. Consider, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to approach, and it will be given to him. Who's had a rough year? You don't even have to raise your voice. Or raise your hand. Everybody has had a rough year. This has been the strangest year I think I've ever seen. Every time you turn on the TV or the radio or talk, talk to someone at the gas station, they're telling you something that, man, you just can't hardly believe. How do you get through that? How are we still all here? How have we all not, you know, shut down our businesses and moved to Mexico? You know, I'm sure, Robert, we could just go to Mexico. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? (laughs) 
there is a, a strength within this community that, that I've really come, come to admire throughout all this, this nonsense that we've been going through. Consider it all joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. What does that look like? It looks like this year. Trials of many kinds. It's not like financial stress, emotional stress, spiritual stress. Man, we've all been hit from just about every angle this year. The testing of your faith. How, many, how often have you guys thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe I really don't want to go to church. Maybe I don't really want to go hang out with those people right now. I'm just going to stay home and, and, and wait this whole deal out. No, you guys have all been hit. I'm going to switch gears and talk about a horse that I had. Because that's something that I, that I like to draw illustrations from because they're, they're such a good mirror of, of us as humans. This was a horse that was given as a, a Christmas bonus from a, a ranch back in... 2008 or 9. Big old blue roan. Most gorgeous horse you'd ever seen. And uh, they gave it to me. Man, I was just elated. Thought I had all these, these wondrous ideas about uh, riding horses that, that Monty Wall should be proud to ride. And I get him home and start looking at the papers and I start reading some names that I was, I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Oh, oh, looky there. Well, turn turns out he was a deck jet driftwood horse. So anybody that knows a little bit about those, we have a lot of energy and a lot of stubborn. <laughs> the one really, really athletic horse. That horse was tenacious in every sense of the word, in the good and in the bad. I spent a lot of time with him as far as groundwork, and he'd, uh, he was actually six, five, five and a half, six before I got him, and he'd, he'd never, never been ridden. And uh, that was actually one of the first horses that I started from, from the beginning. And uh, I really thought I was doing a terrible job because all my friends are you know, doing 30 rides and, and uh, having wonderful results. And, and here was this kind of herds cranky old bronc with you know, 100 times the, uh, the energy that, that most other horses do and uh, really struggling to, to figure out horse. His mind was, was just not where it where, I thought it should be, and uh, I struggled and struggled and fought with just brute force, and, and it finally took me some, uh, some conversations with some people that had been farther down this road than me to, to say, you know what, you really need to, to communicate with that horse what you're wanting him to do, not just try to force him and make him trust you, because he's not going to trust you. He's been running around free for, for however long. Once I captured that horse's mind and we had a goal, that was one of the favorite horses that I've, I have ever owned. I will never forget the horse and what he taught me. Every time I'd get cranky with him because he'd start pitching, you know, 15, 18 miles into the day because he would just have that much energy. Just had to, to pull back and give him a sight of what we were supposed to. He had the drive, but without a purpose, he was worthless. I mean, you could go to the other side and have a horse that knows what to do but too lazy to get out of the barn. There's a dichotomy. The two, the two ends of those things, both of them are worthless, but a combination of the two are the best thing that you could ever have. How many of us throw a fit because we don't understand? I do. 
if I don't understand something, things don't make sense, and I'm, I'm a little bit too stubborn. I'll, I'll throw a fit. I'm probably not the best to be around when I don't understand the purpose of, of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Just like the time I'm, I'm load, um, trailer loading a, a set of big old Charlet bulls, and those bulls were just kind of butt up to the trailer, and you get close to them, and they just start rooting at your horse, and they would not move. And he didn't understand what we were trying to do. And he pitched me off right in the middle of those bulls, and I thought I was going to die because he didn't stop. I mean, just because I come off, he's still bucking in a circle. The bulls are fighting him and fighting me and fighting each other, and it, it, was, it was a catastrophe. As soon as one of the bulls turned sideways, stepped in the trailer, Waco reached up there and bit the other bull and loaded him in the trailer. Once he knew what he was doing, he aligned right alongside it. Much is the same with a young horse. You know, even though Waco was older, I mean, he, shoot, I, I had to deal with some childish behavior with him until he was probably seven or eight years old. Part of that was my, my uh, lack of experience in, in dealing with a horse of, of that nature. But when you're, when you're training a young horse, one of the best things that you can do is get forward motion. You can guide and teach them all sorts of things once they're moving. But if, you, if they're sold up, and all they can do is just think about why this guy's kicking me in the ribs, you're, you're just asking for catastrophe. You're not giving them a chance to, to su succeed. Sorry. If they don't have a, a known destination, or if they don't know what you're asking them to do, all effort is worthless. Horses come with energy naturally. A young horse will just work their butt off for you. But the communication is key. There's a, uh, I don't know if, I even know what, what you would call it, but there's kind of a nature of, of when you're riding a young horse. Maybe, you know, you get 20, 30 rides on them and you're going out through the pasture. There's a tendency to, to veer back and forth, back and forth, even though you've already got them moving in a straight line or in, in a forward motion. They will almost never track a straight line. And that's something that, Everyone's got, got something that they really like to, to succeed in a horse in. And that's something I, I always really enjoy is, is feeling a horse relax and just center out and find a straight line when you're going out to, to gather cattle. I, I don't know why. I just love it. It seems really simple. But unless you've done it, you, you, you wouldn't understand it. But to me, it represents them understanding why I'm riding past all the cows to the other end of the pasture just to bring them all back. That's them understanding what I'm asking them to do. One of the things that, that I've, I've tried to use a lot with, with giving them purpose is, uh, is work, actually working cattle in a pen, giving them something to focus on. And yet, I find myself not doing that with, with my own life. Like, if, if I'm having a hard time focusing on something way out in the future, why would I not give my something give myself something to focus on right in front of me, like I do with a colt. If I can't focus on long-term goals, if I can't keep my focus on where I need to be, why don't I make short-term goals that I can focus on, that I can accomplish, and then set another one and accomplish? The drive has never been an issue. For some people, it's the other side. They know exactly where, where they need to be, but having the drive to get there 
is, is something that they lack, something that they fight against. Or there's like people on, on, more on my side where I'm just so ADD and energetic about everything, I don't get anything done because I'm going every direction at once. Romans 8, 26 through 28. That in the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work out for good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Who's been around somebody that's got a young horse that is always acting up? <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Have you ever noticed how often we make excuses for our critters? This is what the Spirit does for us. <laughs> the Spirit is making intercession for me on my behalf. Just like when Mitch, Mitch may have a a cranky sucker that, that's uh, chewing on the chewing the tail off of uh, Ty's prize horse. and He's like, oh, he just don't know no better. And yet he lived in the sale barn for extra how many years or whatever. I mean, you know, there, there's all sorts of excuses we can make up for our horses. But in, in reality, God is, or the Spirit is, is guiding us, is giving us those, those directives, those plans. And, and interceding for us with, with groanings that cannot be uttered. Man, how deep is that? I don't, I don't even necessarily understand how far that goes. That is, a, that is deep. I need that. If, if God was so straight-laced the first time that I screwed up, that was it, I would not have a chance. God is full of grace. God is full of love. God is full of compassion. And give us, gives us a purpose. What are some things that, that cause me to distract from that? What are things that pull me off the path? When I'm going out through the pasture, going towards those goals, what pulls me off to the side? Is it good things? Who has it? Man, you go on vacation, you get into a lazy rut, you don't want to get off the couch when you come back home, you can't get back motivated. Or maybe, maybe it's the bad times. Maybe... Your tires blow out on your semi and you just want to just forget it all and go work at the gas station. Yeah, Robert. <laughs> what blows you off center? Like when you're riding a colt in the pasture, people, people talk a lot about bomb-proof horses, but uh, I don't know how many of you guys have ever ridden up in the mountains, but you ever ridden up on a flock of grouse? <laughs> I don't care if they're bomb-proof or not. There, there is very few horses that are grouse-proof. Good night. Or uh, one of our, our local pestilences that we kind of tend to run into out here, uh, balloons. We get these winds blow uh, mylar balloons out from Denver all the time. And Man, you, you've never been on a cranky horse and ride up on a, on a mylar balloon, man. You haven't lived, man. That, that is an experience for sure. How about stripes in the road? You guys ever had issues with horses crossing the highway? Uh, out east, uh, bringing in some calves to, uh, to brand one year, and uh, we all, we probably had about 130 pair 
And uh, always seems to the, the slow younger calves always kind of migrate towards the back of the herd because everything else is just kind of moving down the road. So you end up with like 15 or 20 calves that just don't really have a leader. They're just kind of ambling along, don't really, haven't seen much life because they're generally the younger ones. So we're crossing Highway 86 out there. And uh, these last four or five calves would not step across that white line. I don't know what it looked like to them in their minds, but they, every time you get them close to it, they would just blow and run back down the, down the fence. We finally kind of easing them up on it. Actually, I ended up leading a few after they see, just see something walking across that they, they kind of got the picture. But there was just this one. He got right up there in the middle of the highway, and he's like, oh, man, I crossed the white line, but I ain't stepping across that yellow one. You can't make me. So he darts back off to one side, and I've been riding a... Barney, this, this good horse that I'd been spending a lot of time with uh, cutting, and, and he just kind of went back to what we normally do, and he just kind of pedaled off to one side and cut in front of this calf, and all four feet went out from under him. Boom, sideways right down on the highway, right on my leg. And I just looked over, because, I mean, we're in the middle of a state highway. So I just looked over, and over the top of the hill, I saw these two chrome stacks. come over. So we got like this hill that goes up and then just comes right back over on top of us. Big old tri- uh, semi-truck loaded with hay. And I'm laying in the middle of the road with a calf and a horse on top of me. So I grab my reins and I start smacking and jumping and jerking and trying to get out the way. And they didn't really understand what was going on. Horses didn't see it. Calf didn't know what was going on. Heck, he didn't even know where he was. We got, we got out of the road and man, I swear the mirror of that truck took like five or six hairs off that horse's butt. I mean, it was like that. All over misunderstanding. That paint can't do anything. That thing's been dry for 15 years. But yet it boogered that, that calf enough it boogered, or in, in, and caused that, that, uh, that catastrophe. You know, and, and even the horse falling down, he didn't understand where he was. But having the presence of mind to trust what was leading him to get up and get moving and get out of the way saved all of our lives. A bloody mess. This is a verse that's, that's often been, been printed on, on nice scenic pictures of waterfalls and such, and, and I, I've often lost the value of, of reading it for what it is. And um, what's on the screen will be, I'm going to read a little bit more than what was there just because of the beauty of this, of this verse. It's, it's Psalm 23, and you guys probably all know this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leaves me beside the quiet water. He restores my soul and guides me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Man, how beautiful is that? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and distractions, I fear no evil, no mylar balloons, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They get me out of the road when I'm about to get run over by an 85-ton truck. 85,000-pound truck. 85-ton, that's a lot. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a gift. What is our end goal? Each one of you have a purpose that's different than mine. My life is very different. Strange. <laughs> the, the things that I've given to do in life are, are off the wall. 
The thing's been given to Ty are very specific. You never thought you'd end up down here in Colorado working for a church, did you? (laughs) I'm sure glad you're here, though. Jack, you've got a very specific goal that God's given you, don't you? Each one of us has a different, different plan, a different destination to be in life. Don't compare it to somebody else's. Don't compare your life to someone else's life just because the simple fact that God has put you on different paths. And once you can come to, come to grips with that, it'll help you understand that, that you need to chase your own destination. You need to put your effort into being you. Not keeping up with the Joneses. Not having a new truck if you don't need it. Not trying to, to be somebody else that you're not. You know, we've all been blessed with different paths and different places. Different drives, gifts, abilities, talents. Each one of us appreciates Kevin for what he's done, don't we? He's a pretty special guy. Would we appreciate him the same if he'd ignored what God asked him to do? I mean, we'd probably like him as a person because he's a great person, but, but he'd probably just be working for the man like, any, like he was before. Working away at, at some job that that was leaving him dissatisfied because he wasn't doing what God asked him to do. I found it's really easy for me to get, get on that path of just monotony, going down the road, doing, doing what I think everyone else thinks I should be doing. and I'm just ignoring everything that's in my heart, all the things that I know that I should be doing. You guys are awful quiet. I hope that's for a good reason. I love to see people succeed. Very few things bring me more joy besides fruit snacks. I really like fruit.